This is an Area Code podcast. This is All Alone, a podcast about life during a pandemic. The following entries were recorded the week of April 12th. This is Anja Maria in Germany, and today is Wednesday, April 15th. So we usually go to a store that's called Lidl. It's a grocery store chain that is very prevalent in Germany. And I had a strange experience there last week when I was putting the groceries on this conveyor belt at the checkout. The lady behind me just like came into our space and started putting her own stuff onto the conveyor belt and I I was so busy I didn't even like realize what happened but really she was on top of me and her stuff was on top of my stuff so really I had to hand the checkout lady my groceries like hand to hand in this time of corona which was really a strange experience because you have all these like extra precautions and obviously this lady behind me and also the checkout lady just weren't paying attention and i was i yeah i was too baffled to react so and my husband too so he paid straight away which meant that the the checkout um, lady uh, continued uh, with the checkout um, of the lady behind us so why while i was still like bagging my groceries this lady um, pressed by us like bodily squeezed by us and then stood right next to me to pack up her own things and you hear about you know uh, uh, leaving um, a distance of several um, feet between people and not breathing on each other and whatnot and this lady was right on top of me so yeah I, I didn't feel really good but I was too shocked to react in that moment um, so it only hit me when I went back home um, and I didn't feel safe then but it was too late then but I also had a good experience at a different store at a garden center they counted their their carts um, for shopping their shopping carts um, and they had exactly 30 so you had to queue in front of the store and um, every person who entered the store had to have one of those 30 carts so uh, the attendant knew exactly that there were always only 30 people inside um, the garden center and so you went inside you did your shopping you um, went back to your car um, unloaded uh, your plants and then you returned the cart to the attendant he would disinfect the cart and pass it on to the next customer so that was a really good experience and I thought you know the system works this is Jess I live in London buying food has become an adventure across the board. Before this, of course, we would eat out at restaurants, not all the time, but fairly regularly, maybe once or twice a week. We also use uh, Akado, which is an online delivery service for basic essentials. So we would book on Akado 
things like oil and butter and milk and toilet paper, cleaning products, these sorts of things. And I had a, a delivery pass so that, you know, we could get unlimited deliveries every month. We pay one time fee, but the all of the groceries, they arrive to your door in grocery sacks. You can swap back the sacks when they the driver comes and drops everything off. We love it. We've been using it for years. But towards the beginning of uh, this whole crisis, I remember going to Ocado to check, you know, to edit my order that was that was coming up. And when I logged onto the website, it told me that I was in a virtual queue, which I'd never seen before. And I, I looked and it said that I was number 5,568 and that I was put on this in this queue and that it would take at least two hours before I would be to the front of the queue where I could log into the website. And I thought, this is absurd. I took a photo of it. I sent it to my husband on WhatsApp and I was like, look at this, it's insane. I logged in very early the next morning. I was able to get in and edit my my order for that week and then I, I quickly booked another delivery for two weeks later just in case you know if something if we needed something later on and sure enough after that they actually shut down the website shortly they um, were saying you know we apologize we're oversubscribed and they've come up with a system now where they're prioritizing customers and you have a smart delivery we have a smart delivery pass and that means that you're kind of pushed to the top of the list but, you know, then not only are we going through this whole crisis, but then we're having to figure so, out, like, you know, now how to get our, have to our do that thing, like planning, going to the grocery store. And we're going to this local, like, little shop. It's not a full grocery store, but it has essential items. And we go there maybe once a week just for filler things. But even this morning I woke up and we were out of milk. And I don't really need to go to the shop for everything, but we don't have any milk and I can't live life without coffee and I can't drink coffee without milk. And so I, you know, it was seven in the morning and I was like, I know they open at 7.30. I bet it will be empty if I get there early. And so I, you know, got dressed, went to the shop. Sure enough, it was empty. I went straight for the milk, checked out, get home. Of course, you know, you decontaminate, wash your hands, everything like that. But it's ridiculous. The whole thing is so absurd. Uh, Mark Weigel, our mayor, he belongs to a party of free voters. So that's just a con conglomerate of people that form a party who don't belong to any larger or national party. He's relatively new, relatively young, just a couple years older than I am, but he's had overwhelming support and so far he's been doing a really good job, I fear, both before the crisis and also within the crisis. He acted fairly 
quickly, even a little quicker than our state government. So he announced that certain um, shops would be closing and so on just before the state announced it. And then once the state laws were passed or regulations were passed, he coordinated um, with the state to bring it in, into order so so that the, the rules were the same for the town as well as for the state. On the state level, we have a woman, uh, a woman leader, uh, Malu Dreyer, from the SPD. Rheinland-Pfalz is a little... <laughs> Yeah, uh, poorer than some other states, and we are not too happy um, about our educational system, for for instance. She reacted in coordination with other governors with school closings and shop closings and all of that. But um, in comparison to other states, we didn't have any, any online tools in place for teaching um, our students, primary school students, um, all the way up to high school school students and also to university students. So the state had to buy new online platforms and tools. And it took quite a while to put that into place. So I know in comparison, other states have already been teaching online while we were still grappling to <laughs> buy the necessary equipment, so to speak. So my stepson has not had any yeah, any education for the last couple of weeks. He had um, certain assignments for the first two weeks, but then nothing else was organized. And now a platform is in place. We don't know if it's going to be the whole semester or just part of the semester. There's no regulation if everyone has to do it. It's more like a guideline. We should, but there's no real um, leadership in that sense. So I'm, I'm a little, um, yeah, it could be better on the state level, I guess. So I live in London. Sadiq Khan is the mayor of London and he's very loved here and he's more on the left and of course London is quite a liberal place. I think there were some early decisions that he made with regards to the transport system that were less popular. He shut down and like limited the number of trains that were running and I think he was trying to encourage people to stay at home but unfortunately if you were a key worker or if you had to to go into work. This actually made the trains more packed than they were previously because you were waiting a longer time between trains and so more people were arriving on the platform. Then when you get on the trains, everybody's getting on at once and you're all trapped in this you know, tiny space together. And I think they fixed this somehow, or at least the amount of traffic has decreased, but I, I know that he received criticism for that. And I think I try to keep that in mind when I think about Boris Johnson, because Boris Johnson, of course, is more on the right, and he is less popular with people like me. <laughs> I think it's hard not to look at Boris Johnson and his decisions to not lock down the UK much earlier as being something that is reprehensible. And I think a lot of us have a lot of resentment around Boris Johnson, more generally about Brexit. And... And when he got ill, I, it was a very strange experience, him being in the hospital. 
some kind of sympathy, but at the same time also feeling like, I mean, what a horrible person. (laughs) And I've been reading Adam Smith's The Theory of Moral Sentiments. I came across this section in which he's talking about resentment. And, uh, and I was reading this while Boris Johnson was in the hospital and I thought, oh, Adam, you know what you're talking about. So he says here, the hatred and dislike in the same manner, which grow upon habitual disapprobation. Uh, and disapprobation is one of these sort of old fashioned words that means strong disapproval. This hatred and dislike in the same manner, which grow upon habitual strong disapproval would often lead us to take a malicious pleasure in the misfortune of a man whose conduct and character excite so painful a passion. And he continues, with resentment, if the, bro- if the person who had done us some great injury, who had murdered our father or brother, for example, should soon afterwards die of a fever or even be brought to the scaffold upon account of some other crime, though it might soothe our hatred, it would not fully gratify our resentment. And I was thinking about Boris Johnson in the hospital and the words of this man from, you know, 1759 and thinking that humans don't really fundamentally change, that we have a hard time feeling any sympathy for those people who are so terrible and so hated. But at the same time, we think that, you know, if they would die in this sort of manner where they're not really held accountable for their actions, that it, it would not really satisfy our resentment, that we want them to live so that, that they can be punished in a way that accounts for what they've done. And I think that I'm, I am hopeful that the, the conservative government is held accountable for its actions, that there is some point down the line in which people will evaluate what Boris Johnson has done and, and punish him accordingly for it. I just finished reading Volker Weidermann's Dreamers, When the Writers Took Power, Germany 1918, which is um, about a time after the First World War when a group um, of academics, really, poets, writers, literary critics in Munich called out a republic and tried to rule for a couple of weeks until power was taken away from them again. And it's really fascinating because it forced me to think about what we think about uh, our current governments and how we often have the feeling that things are inevitable as they are. And it shows you that they're not, that there are different ideas, different versions of society that could be tried. Some failed in in the past, of course, but maybe uh, in context of this pandemic and how everyone is saying that we have to save the economy, this book makes you think about what might be possible and that there might be different ways than just saving the economy, different versions of building society.
All Alone is created and hosted by me, Morgan Lee. It's produced by Richard Clark, Sarah Cameron, and myself. All Alone is a useful group podcast. For more information or to join us, please send us an email at coronavirusdiaries at gmail.com. To stay updated about this project, please visit us on social media. We're at All Alone Pod on Instagram and Twitter. This is an area code podcast.